The Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny, only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks a turnover is what you do when you want a treat. That's Lenny. He rolls over like a champ. I'm Mina Kimes. Uh, Dominique never rolls over for me. Dominique Foxworth, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Is, um, how is Lenny doing with Nino? Is he good? Great. Right. Crushing it. Except for yeah. when he barks while Nino's trying to sleep, and that's Ooh. not that's not great. But he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Um, Dominique Foxworth, of course, of the Dominique Foxworth Show, wherever you get your pods of this show. You see me on that show. You can see us both in Las Vegas for a live podcast uh, on Thursday, February 8th. You can get tickets at bit.ly slash Fox. All right, Dominique. We are not here to talk about that. We are here to recap, pick winners and wuss from the divisional round. Very exciting divisional round. I, I actually, I like that we get a couple days to process everything. Um, we got through about 48 hours of Josh Allen discourse. Oh. And oh. <laughs> what I love about you and doing this show is when we each sent our winners and wuss, neither of us mentioned Josh Allen. Uh of course not. There's nothing to talk about there. <laughs> like, like well, yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I'm glad. So, like, during the season, sometimes I do Monday get up when, um, like, Dan or RC or somebody's traveling. I'm next man up. And I normally appreciate the Monday get ups because they're so easy because you're coming off of mm. Sunday games and it's like just a smorgasbord of yeah. interesting topics. And I was not jealous at all this Monday. <laughs> When I didn't even, I mean, I, I don't watch it a ton when I'm not on it, but it was so ridiculous that I was getting texts. People like, you got to get on, get up. It's going crazy. So I thought I avoided it, but I had to talk about it today. And somehow I'm still making us talk about it now. Ignore that. Let's get on to the win. It's, it's really incredible how the order of games determines, I mean, oh. it makes sense, but it really determines the magnitude of debate because if the Niners had played at night, the Brock Purdy discourse would have dwarfed the Josh Allen discourse. Yeah. Um, but both of those things we're going to, we're, I mean, can be discussed, but that's, we're going to start with two spells. We're going to start with the winner. I give myself the winner here. Uh, and obviously choosing from the Kansas city chiefs. So, so what I went with Dominique for this after rewatching this game, I attempted to do Chris Jones, who tried to end this, who ended this game ultimately and tried to end it twice, but, uh, I'm going to go with the chiefs offense. And my winner is Patrick Mahomes teammate teammate because Mahomes was amazing unsurprisingly I think we are probably I, I do think we're taking that for granted now but we don't have to yes. get that um but we we talk about how uh amazing Patrick Mahomes is in terms of his obviously his arm talent some of the throws he makes the fact that he doesn't get sacked his ability to evade pressure uh the way he sees the field his decision making all of that but what really struck me in this game was uh, the fact that after everything he's gone through this season, the drops, the penalties, the screwed up routes, all of it, he still trusted his receivers to beat man coverage. He still throwed through to MPS versus cover one in big moments. Could not be me. Could not be me. And I, I don't know if you caught this, but I had a conversation with Jeff Schwartz or probably Mitch Schwartz. Oh, I did that again. Uh, about what can fix the Chiefs offense. And he said something in that podcast, which you guys can check out, that I've been thinking about ever since, which he, when we were talking about it. And he said, what Patrick needs to do is not give up. He has to believe that in these moments, because he's all they're all he's got. And yeah. he has to continue playing within the structure. Because at moments, it looked like he didn't trust them. Right, you'd mm -hmm. see him double clutching. You'd see him being like, "Nope, nope, 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 nope." And I, it was very relatable. Maybe the most relatable Patrick Mahomes has ever been has been this season at points, especially the midpoint towards the end when he clearly didn't trust his receivers. But in this game, he did, and he was rewarded for it, uh, big time, Dominique. Yeah, I um often get the, and I, I've talked to you about this before. I get the you're the ex-athlete, so explain to me what it's like or explain to me what it's thinking. And most of the time, I try to be honest when there's something I can relate to. Yeah, but when we were doing Tom Brady discourse, people were like, what's it like to be? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. You think I know how it, what Tom Brady's brain is like? Or you think I know what it feels like to be 
uh, considered one of the greatest of all time. Like, imagine the distance between my life and his life is far enough that I can't guess. And I feel that same way about Patrick Mahomes in the course of a game making decisions about whether he can trust somebody or not. Because when you said he still trusts his receivers, my thing is, of course you did. You don't have no choice. And I guess your point is like, yeah, there were times over the course of the season where I guess through a specific play, you would see a pass that maybe he would normally throw that he chose not to throw it. But it's not like he's a good runner in certain situations, but it's not like he has another option. So Patrick Mahomes is in the enviable position of getting Super Bowl championships early in his career and already being in the GOAT conversation. So unless he's capable of forcing to Travis Kelsey, you got to give them a chance. And he, unlike Josh Allen, has the pelts on the wall that when he loses a Super Bowl because there's no O-line, that don't hang on him the way that it does. Or had he thrown these passes and MBS dropped it, the narrative is already written. Miko Hartman fumbled through the end zone. Like the narrative of this season yeah. is already written. Once again, Patrick Mahomes' offensive teammates let him down. It was the O-line's injuries in the Super Bowl, and now it's the receivers. So I'm sure that Patrick Mahomes doesn't think that way. But as someone, as a member of the media, I did not feel like the stakes were high for Patrick Mahomes or that he should have felt a ton of pressure about trusting MBS. You're a receiver in man coverage. The, the rules are designed for you to get over open. You're not even that open. But I'm going to throw you the damn ball, and you better catch it. I can't do else. The slot fade oh. down the right sideline. Beautiful pass. Mm-hmm. Dropped it in the bucket. I fully expected him to drop that. You yeah, watching that. When, when that ball left his hand, what percentage of you thought MVS would actually catch that football? Yeah, I I think that I thought there was a, or I think that I thought, I thought there was probably a 45% chance that MV, MVS catches that ball. It's probably higher than that in actuality, but my personal faith was like, this is a coin toss a little worse than a coin toss. Right? I really believe it takes a lot of mental strength. To continue. So I actually saw a stat that kind of blew my mind, which is he had three deep balls this game, the most in a game he's had this season, which that's not that many. That's not that it's many. Not. That speaks to how bad they've been this season. Um, Kelsey as well, man. Like I, he has not been you know nearly as bad this season but he has had some drops and i think there's been moments mm-hmm. where he doesn't beat man the way he did before but right. watching him this game i again I, I know he took week 18 off which i think is notable i was thinking like oh i have that same feeling of inevitability watching travis kelsey um the way he finds the voids in zone the way he will get open for patrick if the play breaks down i am now not worried in the postseason. And we'll see what happens next week. The Ravens are very different defense. We'll obviously break that down in detail. But um, if it, again, it's not, it's still not like a group of world beaters, but I cannot believe how quickly my concern has dissipated in the past catchers. And, and, and and this brings up your woof. Here's the craziest part. The, takeaway from this game one of the one of the takeaways is the chiefs pass catchers were better than the bills who would have th- i mean they didn't have gabe davis obviously who's been mm-hmm. you know who knows what version of him you'll get but you know that drops from the bills tight ends as well like the, the cook like who would have thought that would be the story in this particular matchup it's definitely not what i assumed and um the you having confidence in them is uh or I don't know if you had confidence in them, but you not feeling as concerned to them might be a bit of a reach because yeah, yeah. The, the, they didn't, they weren't great in the, the freezing weather game. Uh, the offense was tough in, in the red zone. But I think the, the Travis Kelsey point is, I think if we use Madden ratings, he's an 85 on this team, but he's a 75 on any other team. Because I think he's lost a lot of the athleticism and ability that would make him separate. But what he has is whatever brain link that him and Patrick Mahomes have. Uh, it 
it makes him more valuable to Patrick Mahomes than anyone else. And that makes him more dangerous in the red zone, which is yeah. where it all matters. And yeah, my wolf, if you're ready for that, I'm ready since for you, it. you set it up, uh, Stefan Diggs. And I am not trying to scapegoat him at this moment for this game, but he, since the, was I guess it was the OC change. He's been non-existent and it's not just that one play where he doesn't catch the ball where that's a legendary play. That's a play that, that runs on NFL highlights for the next 30 years. If he catches it and they win the game, not only does that play happen, but he just didn't feel he fumbled early in the game. He didn't feel like he had an impact in the game at all. And it's felt that way for several weeks. Yeah. So since week 10, Stefan Diggs. Uh, has actually been eighth in target share. So it's not like he's been blanked out of this offense. However, despite that, he is ranked 50, 50th in yards per route run. Some of that is usage uh, because he's he was running fewer deep routes. But 49th in catch rate, which really jumps out to me. Um, watching him, Dominique, did you feel like he's lost a step or do you think he's just not as reliable as he was before? Or do you think he's just old? I mean, he's 31 that like yeah. happened really quickly. My feeling is it was none of the above. It felt more like, um, they wanted to do different things with the offense. Like, and I know his targets are still up and, uh, They're different though. Yeah, they're different, and they may not be as geared towards what he does best. And I imagine that there is some, uh, like, psychological impact on when Joe Brady came in and the offense changed to a low-risk proposition, and I think that that probably impacted it some. But I think Josh Allen in – or. I think Stefan Diggs can still be the player that he was if they go back to playing the way that they did, or if he plays somewhere else where they would like, where they use him in the ways that he is most effective, but this ain't it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that brings me to, I guess where we can leave things with the bills or where we, where we can wrap this conversation with them since we will talk about the chiefs in, in a lot more detail later this week, um, which is, next season uh so you know there, there's some debate now about the bills window and their the state of things they're pretty significantly over the cap they can clear a lot of space by restructuring some deals notably josh allen's no-brainer but this roster is pretty flawed and i think that you know it ended up being their undoing even though they really overcame it a lot um, Mike Sando at The Athletic wrote a great column about the contrast between the Chiefs' defense and how young they were and the Bills' defense. And Bills' defense is the second oldest in the NFL. Um, again, injuries play into all of this. But to me, like when you look at them in the Chiefs, and Mike touched on some of this, when you pay your quarterback, you got to do two things. You got to hit on draft picks, duh. And then when you do spend money, it has to be well spent. So when you look at the Chiefs uh, cap table, you know, uh, so the draft picks part, you know, uh, McDuffie, awesome. Trent McDuffie, uh, Karloftis, George Karloftis took a huge leap this year. He was really good in this game, too. You know, he's a great player up front. And then their two highest played, their three highest played defensive players are Justin Reed, Charles Amenahu, and Chris Jones, all of whom are very good players. I mentioned Chris Jones kind of being the closer earlier. Amenahu also had a really big play at the end. On the flip side, the Bills have drafted a lot of defensive players and they're fine. Like they're not bad players. They've found some starters, but they're not as good. They haven't found superstars. And then Dominique, like Von Miller, who that's where they smell the money. And that is looking real bad right now. So I guess moving forward, my question for you is defensively, what can be done? Like what do, is it just a matter of like you need to turn some of these players into stars or hit on picks? Like, is there any position you would prioritize? Because um, you know, they're they're pretty up against it monetarily. Yeah. I was surprised at how well they played, particularly in a secondary for this season through injuries. And I think that that's what they need to do is continue to overachieve there. And uh when you don't have like 
incredible game breakers. I think you have to obviously overcompensate in other ways, and that's scheme. And they've never been a complicated defensive unit, but they've added some wrinkles since their injuries. They're going to need to add a lot more wrinkles. Either I mean, you look around the league as defenses that overperform. You normally see uh, high volatility style, which is a lot of blitzing. That's not what McDermott is going to turn to. I don't think that doesn't seem to be his style, but he's going to have to add more of that in and also generally keep the opposing quarterback off balance. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you have Josh spot. Allen, you're always going to be fine. But I yeah. think, yeah, fixing that, de- adding to the defense and then figuring out the Stephon Diggs question. And, you know, is he your wide receiver one? Do you need to find the wide? Jonathan Gabe was really good this year, but mm-hmm. it does feel like they need wide receiver help, especially Gabe Davis is a free agent. He's so inconsistent. They got something in Shakir, but, uh, and then I think from a coordinator perspective, do you want to stick with Brady? Because that's a very different identity on offense. A lot to be discussed, a lot to be debated. We will get into it all off season. Um, I just feel bad for Bills fans too, because yeah. obviously for a litany of reasons that they don't need to rehash there. But um, I think the, the reason I feel the worst for them, Dominique, is like it would be one thing if they were losing to the Chiefs in like very clear ways. Like if we yeah. were like, well, they clearly just need this. But it's not that. And like Allen played a great game. He made a couple mistakes. Everybody in this team made a couple of mistakes in this one. Sometimes. If it was a, a clear reason or if they were getting their ass beat. Like right. they they played well enough in this game to at the very least go into overtime. 100%. Then there's the 13 point or 13 second game where you argue they played well enough to win. And then you can go through the Scott Norwood field goals and their four Super Bowl losses. It does feel like there's a curse. I don't know what y'all did up there in Buffalo, but y'all better figure that out and write it. Write all your wrongs because this feels supernatural. You just you happen to be in the NFL at a time where the greatest quarterback in the history of the sport, in my opinion, is playing. Like that sucks. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Moving on. And he might lose, by the way, because another quarterback is playing really freaking well right now. We're going to get to him. But first, we're going to talk uh, Bucks lions uh, I give you the winner for this. Who is yeah. your winner from Bucks lions from the Lions side? Uh, Brad Holmes, the general manager. Yeah. And uh, he's been getting a lot of attention for his uh, elevator yells and also his story to make it from rent-a-car uh, salesman. I guess you're not a rent-a-car salesman. Rent-a-car uh attendant, whatever, to general manager of uh, the Detroit Lions. And he took a lot of criticism last year, at least the Lions took criticism last year for drafting a, a inside linebacker and Jameer Gibbs and a running back early in the draft. At least one of those picks has turned out to be a very uh, effective and smart move this time of year. But the Aiden Hutchinson hit, Penny Sewell hit, the uh, – Jared Goff trade, you manage to get somebody to give you two first round picks for a franchise quarterback, which uh, is an impressive coup with that pick. They got Jamison Williams or with one of those picks. They got Jamison Williams, who uh, has been effective or been impactful later in the season, though he hasn't risen to the level that we all expected. But this has just been impressive. Uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson and Sutton in the offseason are good additions. It does feel like... uh, it doesn't feel like a fluke. It feels like a well-constructed roster that was very thoughtfully planned. And even with some misses, because you're going to miss, they hit enough in the draft. Amon Ross St. Brown, like, they've, yeah. he's done well. And it seemed, watching the game this weekend, that it, it showed that there was not, like, some, although Ben Johnson deserves credit, it doesn't feel like this is, like, all scheme. They got players. Laporte, I didn't even mention Laporte. Like, they've gotten players, young, impressive players. Brian Branch is arguably oh, yeah, the best player that. in the secondary. Those yeah. slot blitzes. But to that end, Aaron Glenn. Mm-hmm. I I think like when you consider talent versus you know production, he really deserves yeah. a ton of credit. I mean the the coaching staff there is excellent, excellent, top to bottom. Um, but yeah, Holmes. I mean, yeah, just you just point to so many picks and decisions over the last few years that have worked out. Um, Ryan and I have an inside joke. Whenever people talk about this draft, no one ever mentions Jack Campbell. But yeah. uh, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Jameer Gibbs is amazing. Uh, and I, I think like the story of this game for me, I mean, the, all of so many of the players you mentioned did really impressive things, including Goff, I thought. 
you know, mm-hmm. the second half, some really nice drives, some drives too. Like we always talk about how Jared Goff is incredible, kept clean, incredible on inbreakers, but he threw some outbreaking throws that I was like, damn, dude, like yeah. those are the Jared Goff uh, dealing. Um, but for me, uh, offensively, story of the game was two players, Jameer Gibbs and Panay Sewell. I, okay, so Gibbs. I feel like leads the league in making players look dumb right now. Maybe Lamar. I don't know. Which player would you uh, rather face in the open? Eh. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Lamar has given up on making people look dumb uh, as a, like, as a pastime. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it felt like his first couple of years, he's like, all right, I'm going to make everybody look stupid. Now it seems a lot more cal- calculated. Jameer Gibbs is still in that prove yourself stage where he's making people look silly. What do you, what do you think was going through Anton Whitfield Jr.'s head when he squared him up? Because, Gosh. I there, he okay. There are so many plays this year where you can screenshot a DB who looks like um like a you know when they draw an outline around a dead person on, on the <laughs> asphalt. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> Just safeties, corners. It's so on. It's so mean. It's so mean. And yes. like he, I feel like. I don't, Whitfield Jr. is probably in his late 20s now. He's like 27. I, I So many guys look like they should retire on the spot after trying to tackle Jameer Gibbs. He is a truly special player. But I will say I was as riveted by him as I was by Panay Sewell in this game. I'm not trying to be a football hipster about it. That dude, when he pulls and, and they uh, when on runs to the left a lot, you do have pulling action with him. He kind of looks like Trent Williams in terms of like yeah. the size and the speed and the way he moves. And let me tell you, that is going to be a problem for the San Francisco 49ers, uh, who because he's got he he sends yeah. dudes flying. And yeah, anyways, it's I, I totally agree with you about Holmes, though. Like it's just top to bottom. It's hard to I think identify someone in, in the NFL who deserves executive of the year more than him right now. Yeah, the Penesul stuff got me excited. I, I was a big Penesul head back in the draft when That's the right. conversation Absolutely. was Penesul versus Jamar Chase. Uh, and I probably was wrong and also right at the same time uh, because, yeah, the impact that he has on his team is incredible. And that athleticism on the edge is uh, going to be a problem for a team that struggles with edge runs to start with. Mm-hmm. And a team that's defense is predicated on pass rush that hasn't been all that effective this year uh it ain't gonna get any more effective against uh Sewell. nope what a player what a player he is um okay so i got the wolf in this one this is actually hard you know with all the underdogs who lost you're kind of like ah you did great you got here you know it's not it's like i really think the bucks had a pretty remarkable season all things considered um i went pretty granular and this is kind of like i think one of the reasons why they lost this game. Uh, it, it was kind of interesting because in the last round, they beat Jalen Hurts because he couldn't handle the blitz. I thought uh, the Bucks offense really struggled against the blitz in this one um, in some pretty key moments. Now they beat it with the that screen touchdown to Rashad White, notably. Mm-hmm. But I just want to, you know, I think you can kind of tell the story of the game in some ways with how the two quarterbacks performed against the blitz. Jared Goff, they, you know, they puts the hell out of him, unsurprisingly. Um, and he was only pressured 20% of the time when they blitzed him, which has been the case with the Lions all year. It's play design. It's Amon Ross St. Brown working over the middle of the field. It's Jared Goff. It's the offensive line. Whereas Baker Mayfield, uh, when the Lions blitzed him, he was pressured 62% of the time. He was sacked four times through an interception. Uh, so... You know, I, I felt like every time they sent a DB, Aaron Glenn sent a DB, it worked. Again, something to keep an eye on in the next game. Uh, and, you know, credit to Glenn, I think, for his feel for calling pressures against uh, some of the Bucks looks. And But, you know, as always, with every blitz, a different person is at fault. You know, yeah. it's 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 never one thing. Some of it was Baker, some of it's the offensive line, some of it is the play, the play calling, whatever. But uh, yeah, and I, I think you know the Bucks got out coached in this one as well. And credit to Aaron Glenn on the other side of that. Yeah, I've been um, having to eat my words for on this Lions team. 
for the past couple of weeks because at one point I said on my podcast that they were not a serious outfit. And that was because I was very angry at the fact that their defense, defensive line, couldn't get any pressure. And like I was like, all right, at some point, Aaron Glenn is going to have to turn up the blitzing. And I didn't think their secondary was going to be able to hold up. I was dead ass wrong about <laughs> uh, the secondary being able to hold up completely because they haven't been perfect. They haven't been great, but they're holding up. And the offensive support that, they're, that they received in this game, I think, helped a lot. But they are still in a precarious situation in that they can't get a pass rush without uh, blitzing. And that's going to put you in some tough spots uh, and make your offense or make your defense a little bit more volatile. And they weren't perfect in this game, but you're right. Given what they have, I was impressed. And the offensive support allowed them to like bend and not break. Much more significant challenge awaits, mm. I think. Um, wrapping up quickly, I do think the Bucks probably bring Baker back. Makes sense given yeah. where they are, how he played, the resources at their disposal. Um, you know, it does it felt like in this one, I you know, they, they still have really good players. I think edge remains a little bit of a question mark with them and corner again, you know, injuries and stuff. Uh, so I imagine they'll prioritize that, but they're, they're going to be competitive next year and like really credit. I, I mean, I th like really good season for them, all things considered. So they should Todd Bowles. Be, uh... Yeah, great job, Top Bowls. And that division, they might win it again next year. Uh, they might be dealing with Bill Belichick in that division too, which may make it harder or not. I don't know. All right, let's take a break. Come back and settle once and for all whether Brock Purdy's elite. Just kidding. Oh, yeah. talk about that. Easy. <laughs> Why should you bet with Caesars Sportsbook? Two words, Caesars Rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just a nap, it's an empire. 21 and older must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Or in Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Okay, uh, I did give you the Niners as a winner here. Good Trey team. Greenlaw. Yeah, they, my winner. Yeah, although two two interceptions, and don't you start complaining about that man not going down and sliding. I just want to know what you were literally what it looked like in your household watching him when he picked off. Oh, I was so happy and I was going, go, run, 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 run. I know what you're supposed to do. No, you are. I know what you're supposed to do. Score, score. Lateral, lateral, lateral. Yes, yes. Let's go. Pitch that thing. Pitch it. And both of his interceptions were, um, he was trying to score. Like he seemed like, you know, sometimes people get an interception and they try to get what they can get and get down. He was trying to run both of those back and I wanted him to so badly. It was fun. The Niners linebackers are insane. Yeah. I, I, there was like, um, uh, you know, they struggled against the run, which again, we're going to get into that. That's not, that's but the entire team, frankly. Uh, but there was, I mean, a, a series where Fred Warner just did alien things like three plays in a row in this game yeah. early. <laughs> I guess I should have said linebackers instead of just Drake no, Greenlaw. No, Greenlaw made the big plays. He deserves they, it. They are the saving grace of this defense, and they make up for 
so many other issues that this defense uh, has. But, yeah, they aren't as good on defense as they've been in recent years, and it's because they're designed to lean on their front, and their front's not dominating the way that you expect. Can I send a message to all of sports media? When, if, not when, if, I actually don't know how I'm going to come down on these games, but if we get Niners-Ravens, the favorites, the one seeds in the Super Bowl, we don't have to do Purdy-Lamar. We don't have to do it. We, as a nation, as a sports media complex or whatever, should be doing Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw versus Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. That, my friends, is a debate. That is a legitimately good debate. Let's have it. Please. Let's do it. Let's do it. it. You and me, we can do it on, on both of our podcasts because I promise you, on the shows uh, on TV that make all the money, they gonna yell no. about them quarterbacks. No, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna. I'm gonna in the morning calls. We're gonna say, but well, how about these linebackers? Let's argue. <laughs> Let because I, I don't know, man. It's close. Yeah, it's close. It's They're close. asked to do very different things as well. I would be like, if they switch places, could they both execute the? De- I think they could actually. You know, the both yeah, teams yeah. would still be really, really good. But the, the way they're used is different. They're different styles of players. I think probably I would go with the Ravens this year just yeah. because of the run and some of the tackling, but because they've been so good, but it's tough, man. I, I think the Greenlaw and Warner get, I think, uh, a bit more love generally. I feel like we've been being told that Fred Warner was the best linebacker in football more than we have about Roquan because Roquan was in Chicago where no one cared and they weren't very good. But uh, Roquan has now been on a good team for a couple of years and it's changing the way that we see him. And Patrick Queen started his career in a way that people are like, oh, they missed on that one. And then they added Roquan and allowed. So I think that they are probably behind. But in isolation, if you just look at these seasons without all of that context, I, I think I go with Queen and Smith over Warner and Greenlaw. And w- Warner has the hair advantage too. Something about linebackers with hair hanging out their helmet makes people think they're better. He stands out a little bit. He also he's married to a former bachelor contestant, so he's got the, oh, really? the fame angle oh, yeah. too. Um, I mean, Ro- Roquan and uh, Warner were both first team All Pros, correctly, right? Uh, yeah, I this is man. It's a it's the way you're smiling right now. Is, I just love it. I just love it. I, I love watching both of these I, players, these two position groups, so much. I, I forget how much you love football because you know the what way I don't you're love. Smiling at linebacker talk is amazing can, can, to me. Can, can I? I'm not trying to be like do too much. I know I feel like I probably do it too a little bit too much meta commentary. Um, mm. But the the thing I hate about the Purdy thing, the debate, because we're not even. I actually, by the way, like can I? I'll, first, I'll start with a blanket statement. I really don't think uh, this Purdy game means anything the Packers game that we were actually talking about. I'll talk about the Packers in a second because my only takeaway is like Purdy is not good in the rain, but it's not going to rain. So, okay. I don't, <laughs> if it would, if the, I mean, the Super Bowl's in Vegas, if they get there yeah. next week, it's not going to rain. So like, all right. I don't like what, like I fine. Um, that might matter in the future, but as far as like football now, whatever, I, I think, but this, here's what I'll say. I think what's so, um, about the Brock Purdy discourse right now is it's just a bunch of people talking around each other and having different debates on their own yeah. terms. And like, you know, I, I saw a, a, some backlash to my colleague Ryan Clark's comments because, uh, you know, he said Purdy's not as good as the other quarterbacks. And and then I think Sherman w- jumped in and some others and said, well, why are we holding a second year quarterback to the same standards? Well, you said he was MVP candidate and some people were holding him, you know, were saying he, when he was playing well, he deserved to be grouped in that. But, but it all comes down to the same thing, which is what, what, what is the actual debate here? Are we talking about whether he's a top five quarterback, whether he's an MVP, whether he sucks, because those conversations are very different from the conversation that I feel 90% of football fans believe, which he's fine. He's playing yeah. well. The offense is good. And, but it, everyone is kind of living in the extremes to make whatever point, you know, they want to make. Like, I don't think 
I don't think any most real people think he is either trash or that he is on the same level as the Mahomeses. We're having surgical conversations, but we're using meat cleavers is what yeah. it feels like. It's like the conversations that we're having require um, a very high level of concentration on the words that you choose in order to not be disrespectful, but that's not how, or not, or to be, not be wrong. And it requires the people who respond to listen closely and accept it, but they don't because they hear like Brock Purdy is not. And then whatever you say after that doesn't matter because you said Brock Purdy is not. And I need you to listen to exactly what is being said. But also I understand why are we saying what he isn't? He's winning. He's doing well. But when you start talking about the games that we saw this weekend or the games throughout the playoffs right now. Yeah. Brock Purdy ain't them. And that that seems like an honest, fair thing to say. But why but, is that hate? That's not hate. Saying someone's not one of yeah. the three or four best quarterbacks in the NFL isn't hate. It's an honest appraisal of the product. Because I think field. this is the this is the meat cleaver point is because yeah. I think rather than people saying that, they're saying something to the effect like Ryan Clark's, for example. RC said, um, essentially that like i don't remember verbatim but it brought the mvp and it was like yeah. I, i'm glad we don't have to pretend that he's a mvp anymore right and it's like okay i get the point that you're making because yes he is nowhere near as valuable to them as lamar jackson or patrick mahomes or or josh allen is but had they beat the ravens and they went on yeah. And his number one in every category, it would have been absurd to not give him the MVP. So when I'm uh, a 49ers fan or a Purdy fan, I hear that. And I'm like, there were three interceptions, two of which were kind of fluky. And like, other than that, you now you say my guy ain't an MVP. And it was like a joke. And it was annoying for you to have to deal with us say it. So like, I get it. But you just got to listen carefully. And you also got to be careful with your words. Or you just don't get on Twitter like me and f say what you are. Well, I think also sports debate, so much of it is just trying to put players in a vacuum. Like yeah. so much of the, and again, I'm on these shows. So much of the topics are like, who is this guy? Yeah. And the Trust problem is more. there's literally no more interconnected sport right. than football. So it's a, already a fool's errand, which is why, you know, I, fam I famously, wow, that's self-aggrandizing. I don't like quarterback wins. Yeah. <laughs> <dad. laughs> um, no, it's so crazy. you're already doing something kind of difficult and challenging. And like, look, it's not, I, I, I want to be clear, like it's supposed to be fun, right? Like when we argue about who the best quarterback in football is or whatever, um, it shouldn't be toxic. It should be fun. It should just be like, whatever, we're doing a thought experiment because these guys don't play in a vacuum. I think where it becomes actually relevant is when it comes contract time. And this is something the Niners, like all this stuff doesn't matter now. It will matter when they're deciding whether to give the quarterback, you know, by then like 70 zillion dollars a year whatever um but at the moment what matters and what matters for this show is context and all i have to say about this game is if the context is not raining it probably doesn't matter so um okay packers side of it um this was actually hard for me to pick a wolf because i just think this packer season was so amazing and the future looks so bright uh so i i actually went with just packers fans because Y'all should have won that game. That yeah, sucks. I mean, you know, the missed field goal, the dropped interceptions, the, the red zone lack of success, all of it just felt fluky and bad. I have no criticism of this offense. Uh, you know, it and ultimately it was the red zone stuff. You can break down the individual plays. Um, and then you had um uh but 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 uh totally like oh Jordan Love just like mm. unfortunately having like a really bad you know, few drives that are very different from how he was the second half of the season. I think the one question I have, and this is something I do want to extend to you, Dominique is, um, and this is also kind of falls under the Packers fan, I guess, category feels like they're going to keep their defensive coordinator. I was listening to Matt LaFleur talk about it. Joe Barry, this is a defense that was very bad, very underperforming for most of the year uh, is only about a month removed from letting Bryce young, and uh, Tommy DeVito <laughs> uh, killed them, then went on kind of a rip at the end. But, you know, is that fluky or whatnot? I guess 
that is, I think if you have only, if there's like one kind of like, Ooh, coming out of this, like, I don't know how you feel about that as a Packers fan, given how bad they were for most of the season. Yeah, I guess it de- depends on what your options are to come out of it, but it feels like almost any option is better than what you've been receiving. Uh, this does have like some Steelers vibes to it, where it's like you've seen this movie a number of times. There's really no reason to come back and try it again. Uh, I guess yeah. the only reason is you can point to uh, that Dallas game and uh, some other late season games, but that doesn't Nick feel. Nick Mullins and yeah. Justin Fields, the final week. Right. It doesn't feel like enough to me, but um, I think there's something to be said for continuity, but you can't be much like worse than what they were. So I, I hate it, but. 28th in weighted DVOA, 30th in success rate. I don't know. I I agree with you. It feels like the pack the Steelers thing, and it and also just given how well the offense played and how talented the young talent, I think that's what sucks. Just not getting more out of your young talent has been a consistent problem on that side of the ball. Um, the Dallas game is the one where I was like, okay, the defense is actually playing really well. This last one, the rain again. I don't I don't want to take. I mean, then you know they 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 did some good things, especially up front, but. Pretty was also just missing tunes. Like, I don't, I, don't, I, I wouldn't, I don't know. I, I personally, I would move on, but yeah. I don't think they will based on the way Matt LaFleur is talking about it. All right. Let's end with the Texans and the Ravens. So hard to pick a winner from the Ravens. So many awesome things in this game. You, I feel like the defensive performance is kind of getting lost in all of this. Um, not with me and you, not in our text conversations. Those big guys out front. The DT play in this one. You like DT play. Um, But I'm going to go with the offense. And uh, I I went with, I kind of want to do the the entire Ravens offseason because every decision they made, the from Mm -hmm. paying Lamar to the hiring of Todd Munkin to the receivers they added was completely justified in this game. In fact, it was. I thought an excellent showcase for what makes this Ravens team different from the last four years, certainly from the 2019. Um, and you and I, we were worried, Dominique. We were worried at halftime. We were texting. We were like, this is the, the takes are going to be flying. This is. Um, and then it was for me that first drive coming out of the half when Lamar just started getting rid of the ball so quickly. Versus, so, so I'm sorry to recap. D'Amico Ryans was blitzing the hell out of him. Smart, I thought, in the first half. And it was working, and they were very ineffective against it. Second half, again, comes out blitzing. You saw so many of the things I mentioned on display. You saw a quarterback who was in complete control of the offense. And apparently at halftime was like, you know, like, we got to do this, this, and this. The protections, you know, whatever. They, you know, had a very, was very involved in the adjustments. Uh, And then you saw those adjustments. um, and, And I think what was striking Watching, I went back and watched that part drive in particular. Um, and the throws against the blitz was the spacing of the wide receivers. The fact that, like, on every single one of them, if you watch all the wide receivers, everything was so um, well executed, intelligent. The way, like, the, the, I think it was the very first throw where you got Isaiah likely kind of coming in motion across the middle of the field creating the throwing lane so he can hit Aguilar. And I was, when that happened, I was like, Oh, okay. Like this is a plan I see. And I mentioned the spacing in particular. And then you saw again, multiple examples, very similar where you can point to different wide receivers, the way they're creating space. This was such a problem with the Ravens offense for years. The, you would see guys literally some of the spacing made no sense. You see guys running into the same space. It just, there was no uh, strategy behind it. So to see them in that drive come out with such a uh, well-tailored and executed plan to deal with pressure, to get Lamar hots, to get those guides yards after the catch, just so satisfying. Jeff's kiss. Um, So the thing I would start with is. And I, sh- I don't want to be negative given how dominant they were in this performance. However, what took you so long? Yeah, man. It was, okay. Because yeah, it was not great. The, the Lamar Jackson, the, the best kryptonite that we've seen for Lamar 
is to blitz him. And I know the Texans don't blitz much, so it is fine for you to come in not anticipating that as a strategy. However, you know what people do against you. That should be the thing that you are most prepared for. Why it took them to a halftime is why I will offer another winner, which is that damn defense. I didn't. I know you. You wanted no, to give it no, to no, them, no, no. Let's but do it. this this goes back to context for games and support for your quarterbacks. Is that defense bought them all the time they needed to figure this out for them to go into halftime and Lamar to get things straight. Now, you're absolutely right. When they came out and Lamar was dicing them up, yeah, but you also could have been down 24 to 7 at that point if your defense isn't balling the way that they are. So do that faster. Don't y'all got to What you you surprised? And, um, yeah, other than that, it was perfect. They were outstanding on offense and defense. And I saw uh, Marcus Spears said on NFL Live, a good point that I think is getting lost in all of this is that the Ravens still have their identity of being physical, tough team, even though their offense has evolved. Like this is the blueprint that the Eagles need to follow in this offseason off is evolve your offense, but maintain that you're a physical, tough team. Yeah. And it was like stages of this. They've yeah. Spent this time developing this one style of play, one style of offense. Then they added another couple levels with extra players. And I think the point that I made before these playoffs started, the reason why I said I thought that it would be different this year with the Ravens and maybe it's premature to take a victory lap was that in the previous incarnations of the Ravens, they had really impressive and explosive offenses and defenses, but they did not have other counter punches like their defense was man coverage we gonna blitz you if if y'all got an answer for that we don't got no answer for that and their other offense was like the lamar jackson uh like variation of a running attack with a little bit of drop back y'all got an answer for that we don't got no answer for that and it seems like in this game they demonstrated against an inferior opponent that they do have just get to them quick just get to them yeah yeah, I know. You know, I about the run game too. It was like, okay, so sad. okay, you're being the blitz. You, you go up, and then once you're up, you can just grind them into dust, which is yeah. what they did. Um, one more shout oh, out. I feel like I I sometimes joke about him uh, in terms of as a pass catcher. Patrick Card Card is such a good football player, man. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, re like, Look at you. dude, he blocks his. <laughs> And he blocks real edge rushers, like yeah. stands them up. So yeah. nothing but respect for 42, who uh, is sort of the continuity it's, between all of these teams. And it's a it's a versatility that doesn't get uh, celebrated in the in the way that like a Devo or Christian's yeah. versatility gets celebrated. A guy that is capable of being a functional receiver and also a functional tackle. With in the same offense, like that gives you a level of flexibility. Flexibility that like, he's not a great receiver, but he can run a route and catch a ball. And he's not like starting level tackle, but you put him in those situations, he can play guard. <laughs> so nice. He was trying. He tried out for yeah. guard. You remember? remember? Yeah, right. Yeah, I remember. Project yep. Cat. <laughs> All right. Uh, finally, the Texans Ooh, are ending here. Um, your wolf yeah. again. There's this is a little bit of Packersy where it's like, hey, yeah. you're a Texans fan. You're, you know, the LeBron smiling under the sun meme after this season. But what is your wolf? Uh, young Bobby Slowick. He's doing all these head coaching zooms, and he ain't had nothing, man. He tried it all, and uh, <laughs> when the when the when the double fake screen tight end oh. release didn't work, I was like, oh, oh. it's over. It's over. <laughs> it's over. You're getting put then, through the Mike McDonald green uh, meat grinder, baby. Yeah, and then the the reverse uh, flea <laughs> flicker to a screen pass. Almost, yeah. Except was it Stone just that hanging on an ankle, baby? Uh, hanging on an ankle. Defense is yeah. Anyway, sorry, yeah. but you're- this is no, this is this is a wolf, but it's really just another winner for the Ravens defense. Yeah. And I texted this to you're you, awesome. so you won't be surprised by this. Is what's the most exciting thing about watching that defense is that they are a fast physical, aggressive defense. And lots of defenses are like that. But you know how you beat those defenses? With misdirection and screens and throwbacks 
and double reverse flea flickers, like you get these aggressive defenses that way. They tried all that shit. Yeah. And this defense is also incredibly smart and disciplined right down to watching the depth of the underneath droppers is they caught one dig. Then the next time they ran the dig, I saw Patrick Queen go in front up that dig. Like, what the hell are you doing? This is not fair. And you watch yeah. CJ Stroud drop back. And he's like, all right, I recognize this coverage. This is cover three. Let me find this dig. Or let me read uh, Roquan. Okay, Roquan's sitting low. Let me find this dig. Oh, shit. Patrick Queen left the backside of the field. It is running to my dig. What am I do now? <laughs> you roll out and throw it out of bounds is what you're going to do. There's so many plays that were what you described is what happened where the Ravens would basically take away the in-breaking concept yep. uh, in a way that you just the Texans didn't run into uh, because that's what they feasted on this year. Right. I think the problem for them, and I think this is where um, they need to get better this offseason, is – uh, so like all of these Shanahan tree offenses, uh, you know, the Packers, the lions, the dolphins, the Niners, the Rams do that. But then they also have really good run games. Texans run game was trash. Yeah. Uh, and you know, you can't against the Ravens defense. I mean, even with the run game, like we saw what happened to the Niners, you're still up against it, but you certainly have no chance if you can't run the football on this team. And they, so I think for the off season, it really is all about, it's all about blocking, not just the offensive line, something like, I think a real theme in the playoffs is these teams that have skill players who can block, man, like that matters. I was thinking about watching the lions, the Packers, the Niners, obviously the dolphins before they got bounced. So I think, um, that's something that Houston really needs to stress this offseason is just blocking generally so that they, regardless of whether they keep Slowick, because, you know, th this is the right scheme for CJ Stroud, but you yeah. need to be able to run the football. You need guys who can block. You need to be able to, to threaten uh, in both ways. The last point I'll make about this, why young Bobby Slowick, his dad was my D coordinator for a couple of years in Denver, but young Bobby, because I always want to say Bob Slowick, because that was that. But anyway, young Bobby, baby Bobby, the, the last thing I'll say about why he gets this wolf is they had an EPA, an offensive EPA, expected points added of negative 10 was their expected points added on their offense. So their offense cost them 10 expected points. For context, the worst offense in the league had negative 11, and it was the Jets. Right, negative 11 per game was their average. They had them... The only team that they were better than was the Jets in a damn playoff game. Did you see that that stat that they didn't run a single play inside the Ravens 25-yard line, which this is from ESPN Stats, which is the first time that's happened since um, the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl, the 13-3 game. Not did they get – how many first downs did they get? Like four or five? We're really riding the roller coaster with all these coordinators in terms of coaching hires. Like one week ago, we were like, Bobby Slowick, the next Shanahan. This week, we're like, Bobby Slowick, he sucks. Neither is true, obviously. Yeah. Well, I do like that he goes, works. he's an, I like that he's an adult who goes by Bobby, though. I always yeah, like him. Because he's, he's, he's a junior. He is a junior, but he could go by Bob Slowick Jr. He's carving yeah, out his own path. Could. Bobby. He could. Young Bobby. Bobby's all right. Well. Remember that cartoon? I do remember Bobby's world. I feel like it takes a certain confidence for adult men to go by like Jimmy or Timmy or Johnny or Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky or Mike. Um, all right, Dominique. Check out the Dominique Foxworth show wherever you get your podcasts. You can ch check out me on there as well. You can watch this episode on YouTube. You do YouTube.com slash at Munich Himes. Uh, this was fun. I'm very excited for these championship games. I feel like we got some pretty pretty good matchups and we'll be back next week to recap them bye see ya bud